When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City... And beaming out across all of space and time, this is Star Talk, where science and pop culture collide. This is Star Talk, and I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. As always, your personal astrophysicist. And today is a Cosmic Queries special space edition, all space. Why? This is the 50th anniversary year of Apollo 11 launching from Earth and landing on the moon and returning safely to Earth. Not only that, we want to look at the future of space exploration. And I have a lot of expertise in that category, so it's, it's just me in this episode. But I don't do this alone without a co-host. I got Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hey, hey Neil. Can you do this with me? Can you I, hang with me? Absolutely. Because I got, you know, I've been, I, I, I got this. Normally right. we have a, a, another expert, right. but I'm, I got this all on my own, I you, think. You are the expert on space. I think. All right. I'm, I'm on the expert on space and out. Okay. So we good. We're good. We're good. Totally good. Totally good. All right. So so what do you have? Well, we have questions as we always do. Solicited uh, that from we our have gleaned from the internet and base. our very many incarnations. And um we always start with a Patreon patron because they give us money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Would you like to give us some money? You could give us some money. Read your question. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to give money to get your question asked. They just get their questions asked first. first. Okay. Priority, as Fine. we say. Fine. All right. So this is... Uh, oh, by the way, let me just, as introduction to this. Yeah. Just as introduction. Just as an introduction. I, I've written two books on space as a as a, an exploratory endeavor, as distinct from astrophysics. I was going to say, you've written more than so two that's books all about on space. space. Yes, yes, yes. I'm talking about going to space. Okay. I've got two books on that. Okay. So one of them uh-huh. is this one. Right. And Space the, Chronicles. Space Chronicles. Facing, facing the, the ultimate frontier. The ultimate frontier. It's now in paperback, and it's more affordable than the hardcover. I just a, a quick story about this. Okay. This is not the title that I submitted the manuscript with. Oh, all right. No, no. Now, are you sure you wrote this book? <laughs> I told you. <laughs> a different exactly. book came out the other right, side. Exactly. The, I t- the title was, the title was, 
Failure to Launch. Ooh. The Dreams and Delusions of Space Enthusiasts. Oh, well, so encouraging. Uh, so so encouraging. That you can't have a, a book with the, with the word uh, uh, failure, failure in it. In it. And they got all upset and, uh, and they had meetings after meetings after meetings. And they came up with time. I said, fine. So I said, Space Chronicles Facing the Ultimate Frontier. But this is an indictment of... Everyone who says, oh, yeah, we got to the moon in 1969. We should be in Mars by 1985. And, we'll right. be, and, and how come we're not? It's because we need, we need uh, 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 charisma. And it, there's a lot of sort of misinformation and delusional thinking out there. This book is a full exploration of that. Of, of the fact that we have yet to progress there reasons, beyond. There are reasons for that. Really? They're reasons. And the reasons people give, they're not the reasons. They think they're the reasons, they're not the reasons. It's uh, all in here. Well, what, okay, good. I'm just well, saying. Well, give it a book. He's like, go buy yo. So this is every... You really are a good marketer. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, let me see you. like, no. <laughs> so this is every thought I've ever had about our past, present, and future in space. Well, they're uh, reasons. And it's not because we, we need another Kennedy to give a stirring speech. No, we were at war. With the Russians. Right. And, and, and the, you know, they're the godless communists. Right. And they had beaten us in practically every yeah. metric. They were winning. They were, th thank you. Okay? They invented the rocket equation. Yep. All right? That was 100-and-something years ago. Rocket equation. That tells you how much fuel to put in your rocket to put a payload into some destination. Right. You, you know why that matters? Because the fuel you're burning has to lift the weight of the, of the fuel, fuel you, you need to get back. <laughs> of all the other fuel, you, the other fuel you, right. you have yet to burn. Right. And so every increment of poundage in your payload mm -hmm. has tremendous consequences to how much extra fuel you have to carry. That's why the Saturn V rocket is mostly fuel. So all, all the stages below. All the states, all fuel. It's all fuel. Astronauts in the little bitty section up at the top. Right. Okay. The little bitty section. So that's the rocket equation manifest. A Russian came up with the rocket equation. The Russians had the first satellite right. named... Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> no, Sputnik. Right. Boris and, and what's the... Boris and Natasha. And, and Natasha. Right. Uh, so Sputnik. 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 And so it said the first satellite, they had the first non-human mammal that was a no, dog. It, oh, okay. Laika. Right. I didn't know the dog's name was Laika. You didn't know the dog's name? No, I didn't. No. no. Whose show are you on? I did not know the dog's name was Laika. Okay, and they had no plans to bring Laika back alive. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm, I'm so funny. sorry. <laughs> That's not it funny. It just seems so cruel. Like, you know. They had no plans. It's like man's best friend is just like, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so, I think Laika might have been a girl dog instead oh, of a boy oh, dog. Okay. It might have been. I don't remember. So, anyhow, so, so people got all upset about that, and I thought about it, and I said, you know, Okay, yeah, that's that's really bad that they didn't bring Laika back alive. They knew Laika would not survive that. That wasn't the point of the, the that experiment. Wasn't the point. But I thought to myself, what was Laika before this? Alive. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna go with alive. Okay. Yes, alive. <laughs> but as I was heard the story, wandering the streets of Moscow, homeless, stray dog, gets plucked from the streets of Moscow, right. and becomes as famous as Lassie overnight. But she had to die to do it. I'm saying sometimes to get famous, people die. This and is true. So if I had a choice of being dying homeless in the streets of Moscow mm -hmm. or dying being the first mammal in orbit and be remembered forever, except you didn't know the dog's name, um, 
It's better to burn out than to fade away. So oh, Leica, Leica oh, actually made a mark. Very Neil Young of you. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that that's one of his lines of one of his songs? I, th- I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. Is it better to burn out than fade away? I don't think it went like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyhow, so they got the first non-human. They they had the first human. They had the right. first space sh- uh, uh, um, station. Right. They had the first female. They had the first. Um, they had the first black person in space. What? Yes. It was a, it was a Cuban, you know, a Cuban. Right. A dark-skinned Cuban, yeah. but he went up on the, on the Russian spacecraft. So they did all of this. And we said, then we land on the moon and say, we win. Because we did. <laughs> <laughs> so we redefined the, the finish line. Right. And said, we win. Right. Right. Yeah, that's how that went down. Wow. And so now if then then we realize they're not really going to the moon and they they couldn't do it. And so we just abandoned the whole thing. That you know, that's it. We stopped going to the moon in 1972. And people say, "Oh, we just need a politician with charisma and political will." It ain't got nothing to do with that. It's we felt threatened. Yeah. And when you feel threatened, you, you, money flows like it. rivers. And it's so funny because in that speech you talked about stirring speeches, in that speech uh JFK actually talked very much about money. Right, well, and he, well, he had two big speeches. One right. to the Joint Session of Congress. Right. I have to show off now. April 25th, 1961. Nice. Six weeks after Yuri Gagarin had just come back from orbit alive. Right. We didn't have a spaceship that could not blow up with carrying people yet. That's when Kennedy said, we'll put him on a moon and return him safely to Earth. And that's, spe- and we said, oh, yeah, let's do it. You know what he said two paragraphs before that in that same speech? No, go ahead. If the events of recent weeks, he couldn't even utter the man's name. Right. Couldn't the events? Yuri Voldemort. <laughs> uh, if the events of recent weeks are any indication of the impact of this adventure on the minds of men everywhere, we need to show the path of freedom over the path of tyranny. Yes, right. The battle cry against communism. That's it. That's what that was. And then the money flowed like rivers. That's all you need to do. It's that's just all it was. That's it. Bring it's, up communism or socialism. It's that I don't want to die driver. That's all I'm saying. Nice. Okay. All right. Let's give, give me some. Okay, here all we right, go. Here we go. That was First good, question. That was good stuff. Okay. I got more, but I'll save it. I save it, but that's good save stuff. Save the next two segments. <clears throat> all right, so this is Mateo Moonslave. Oh, I'm sorry. Mateo Monsalve. <laughs> Chuck. It looked like Moonslave for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mateo Mansalve. Mansalve. Okay. And uh, our Patreon patron who says this. If we consider that the technology used in Apollo 11 mm-hmm. is less than what our smartphones have now. The computer power. That's right. Yes. Would not this mean that the price and facilities to reach the moon is within our reach at this time with no problem? If so, why has it cost so much to return? In a way, I see what he's saying. It's like if if the power in the palm of our hands was the same computing power that sent Apollo 11 mm-hmm. and they landed, why aren't we all just sending stuff to the moon ourselves right now? That's a great question. That's a great question. Because the cost of the computing power that was on Apollo 11 was small relative to the cost of the actual power of the rocket engines and everything else that went into the design, construction, and safety measures. So if most of the cost of that mission 
was in fact computing Computers. costs, we can say, yeah, we, let's go this afternoon. I'll meet you right, on, exactly. on, on Clavius. What are you doing, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a restaurant right yes. on the corner. Meet me at the, meet me at the Big Crater. <laughs> the Big Crater restaurant. Right. <laughs> They'd have good food on, on the moon, but they would have no atmosphere. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? Aren't I allowed? Can you allow me? <laughs> I got it. It was well placed. Okay, thank you, thank you. This is astrophysics humor. So, so that's not the price that needed to drop. Gotcha. That's all. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it actually. is true that we, you know, computing powers. So, in other words, the computing power didn't play as much of not a role. The, not in the cost. Not in the cost of getting. You had to build the thing. Right. You had to, you know, the vehicle assembly building. Uh, you know, all the the infrastructure. Right. That and this is this is a big gap. I think in our modern thinking of what civilization is mm -hmm. and what it has become. We're all anticipating the next app. Okay? Right. We all love our next app. Everybody loves an app. But where, where are the inventions that give us transportation systems, housing, climate control, um, uh, uh, energy? These things are not solved by just awaiting the next app. This is true. They require... Infrastructure, often government. Yeah, I was about to say they require government political will. Yes, exactly. And if without that, you just fade relative to everybody else. Oh, I was in China. I was about it, to say. I, I was in you Shanghai. Just, you just explained why we are losing to China. I, I was in Shanghai. Yeah. In the airport. Right. Okay. And there's a sign up there. I took a picture of it. There's a sign, and it says, "Okay, men's room this way." Okay, it's in Chinese, but then there's a thing. men's room this way, a boutique shopping this way, maglev that way. <laughs> the maglev. Okay. The magnetic train. The magnetically levitated train to get you, that's from the airport back into Shanghai. Cool. Okay, going hundreds of miles an hour, not touching the track itself. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, they're just so casual about it. You can choose to go to the bathroom or on the maglev. Damn. And I'm looking here, I'm just bowing at the maglev because that's something we've only ever dreamt of here. Damn. I'm just saying. It's over, people. <laughs> Game over, people. <laughs> I'm that's just it. Trying. <laughs> Maglev next to a bathroom sign. That's the end. Of, that's, that's, end. That's, a, that's the end. That's end game right there. That's end game. Man. I always wanted right. to get robbed in Shanghai. All right. <clears throat> okay. That became we, a verb to get Shanghai. Yeah, exactly. Was, that's why I want to get robbed in Shanghai. Right. So I can right. say I was Shanghai. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's go to Andy Bracken from Facebook, who says, What lessons from going to the moon can we apply... Putting people on Mars. Ooh. Looking forward, this young man okay. is. There's a big difference between landing on the moon and landing on Mars, other than distance. Well, and, true. And that is the moon, as I described in the restaurants there, has no atmosphere. <laughs> okay. So it means you can't exploit the friction between your craft and the air to For slow the landing. you down. Right. To slow you down. Exactly. So you have to bring fuel with you to fire in a retro way. Oh! Fire the retro rockets <laughs> so that you slow down and have a soft landing. Right. All right. And whereas Mars, though the atmosphere be thin, it's like one percent the thickness of our own atmosphere, which is why that scene in the movie The Martian, mm -hmm. where they're in the space and they're trying to launch, and there's a wind storm it's that kicks up. Storm, yeah. And, 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 and they're like, and, yeah, they're rock, rocked around, rocking the thing, and it'll be like, it'll be like, it'll be like. 
Oh my God, that's refreshing. Oh, it'd be like a, someone just blowing gentle air on is you. Is that a Martian breeze? Oh my! <laughs> Does anyone have any sarsaparilla? And I got all. I would up love to take an Andy Weir's face about breeze. that. Right. I go. Oh, he's the the author. Andy of it. Weir. He's yeah. got engineering background, turned novelist. Got all up in his face. I said, "What are you doing, dude?" And right. so he needed some ruse to make you know just to to give the excuse to. Launch. Well, what else could he have used? So I don't know. I gave it to him because everything else was good. I gave okay. It to him. All right. Plus, he handed me a very high compliment. He said when he's calculating all the other stuff in the movie, right? In, in his story, he imagined I was looking over his shoulder, and he's saying, "Will Neo tweet about about this if right. I publish this?" Oh my god, he turns you into like a cosmic boogeyman. Boogeyman, exactly. <laughs> Some lurch over his shoulder. That's so. That's, that was a high compliment. That's a very although high a little compliment. creepy, a little creepy. No, but that's very cool. Yeah, actually, he didn't want to make he, he didn't want to about his right. ass afterwards. I wish more people did that in movies. So, so, so that's one thing. You'd have to bring extra fuel to land on the moon mm -hmm. relative to landing on Mars. That's all. Because you need so, fuel, fuel to land. Otherwise, you just use air braking and parachutes and this right, sort of thing. Right. So, so that's, that's one important thing you learn. Another thing is both of them are far away from Earth, and you're not near any plant life, or uh, you probably don't have a factory yet. So you have to figure out how to live on your own not instead of living off the land, because there's no... That doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The settlers, the early settlers, they live off the land. Right. Well, plus from Europe, they came here. There were people to greet them. <laughs> right. The other side. And they breathe the same air mm -hmm. as no, they not did for long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was good. Yeah, that was good. No, not for long. Took a couple of centuries, but yeah, we, we did, did a number on the air. So, so, and if the ship broke, the, the trees in the New World were made of wood, like the old trees right. in the old in the mother country. So, so. It's not entirely analogous to say the pilgrims of tomorrow will be the settlers of Mars. It's not really the right way to think about it. Makes sense, yeah. It's going to take a heck of a lot more to settle Mars. It's going to have a heck of a lot more. So you'd have to, in both places, you'd have to set up factories to extract mineral resources or natural resources. You'd have to set up hab modules, unless you terraform them in advance, hab modules so that you can breathe the air without always having on a spacesuit. So you'd have to do the same in both places. So to, to learn something, no. Although you can test a lot of things out on the moon, which is much closer, three days away instead of nine months. So, right. I, I, so I'm a fan of going back to the moon just to get our just, mojo back. Right. Uh, without that, you go to Mars and something goes wrong. I will, we'll save you in nine months. Right, that's how that... In other words... It was nice knowing. <laughs> That's how the NASA mission control. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, guys, you had a good run. <laughs> All right, next question. All right, next question. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, this is James Thompson from Twitter. Mm -hmm. He says, would it be going against scientific principle to have a flat earther come along for the ride on the future mission, if for nothing else but to squash the notion that the Earth is flat being a myth. All right, so I would say on the very first mission, yeah, the one where you have like enough capacity to take like a, a busload of people, right? Gather all the world's earth, flat earthers and stick them on that on that first. Oh, mission. you say yes? Oh yeah, just send them all, and then yeah, just put them all in orbit. They'll shut them up forever. But here's the real question: What do you bring them back? <laughs> See, that's the question. I'm all about putting them up there. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're, 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 D, D, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Houston. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> we run out of money to bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm an educator. So I try to, I'll do whatever I can in order to get someone to understand objective truths in the world. 
And what do I do? I get one of them who they elect to be their representative. And you give them a free ride. I don't have a problem with that. All right. That's, that's kind of cool. We, we got to take a quick break. Okay. When we come back, it is the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 and humans' future in space when Star Talk returns. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk. Code startalk. The future of space and the secrets of our planet revealed. (laughs) 
This is Star Talk. We're back on Star Talk. 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin walking on the moon. Michael Collins not walking on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> If you go all the moon, just say, okay, you guys go down, go down to the playground. I'll wait for you. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I want, no, I'm there by myself. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, if, um, how they got to choose. Choose, right, right. No, that's a complicated thing. That's it. I mean, because yeah, that's, that's an algorithm. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the 50th anniversary of Apollo plus our future in space. We solicited questions. This is Cosmic Queries. And I'm the in house expert for this. Uh, you by are. the way, I had a second book on space. So uh, this is my second book. Base came out last year. Uh, it came in two thousand. Um, uh, no, came out, yeah, two thousand eighteen. Uh, accessory to war. Yes, the unspoken alliance between astrophysics and the military. Mm -hmm. So we all know pretty much there is no military without astrophysics. Yeah, there is. There is no history yeah, of any of that. You guys don't get to. They, they don't get to do anything you, without you guys. Right. Basically, mm -hmm. and it's You're unspoken because you think we're just on mountaintops waiting for the photons of light to come from stars to grace our detectors. And that is most of what we do. However, we have a lot of common thematic overlap. Yeah. Things we care about, the military also cares about. Mm -hmm. Like detecting dim things that are moving in the sky. Right. Like multispectral imaging right. of things that might otherwise be hard to detect. Yes. Like the timings, precision timing of phenomenon in the universe. So, so in fact... This uh, uh, sextant right behind you, just reach up and grab yeah. it, pull it down. Okay. You get it? This is an authentic uh, sextant from centuries past. So, so Chuck, uh -huh. you're a young tyke here. So, this is an early GPS. <laughs> That's how people figured out where, where the hell on earth they were uh, with a sextant. This is an authentic sextant, which has got... Uh, the filters, because you can use it in the daytime with the sun. Nice. So these are solar filters. But anyhow, my point is, uh, time, location, coordinates, um, monitoring things in the sky. Right. That, uh, for us, they're harmless, unless it's an asteroid, but mm -hmm. for the military, it could be lethal. Right. Uh, this is an entire exploration of that. And this is for, this is basically astrophysics if you're not in a hurry, because it's, it's right. 500 Right, so a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, you need a little more. A little bit more. And so, and so much, Two I, I have a co-author, Avis Lang, longtime editor of mine from Natural History Magazine. Oh, very I couldn't cool. have finished this in... In any sense, I, I figured it would take me several life expectancies to finish this. Really? Yeah, so I needed a co-author. So we, a very hard-working co-author, Avis Lang. Oh, that's very magnanimous of you. Okay. Because <clears throat> I would have been like, I wrote this book. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it says, yeah, I know what it says. <laughs> All right, Question. here we go. Here we go. Go for it. John Laird from Twitter wants to know this. How do you see humanity dealing with the concept of ownership in space? An American flag sits on the moon, but we came in peace for all mankind. What happens when U.S. astronauts and Chinese uh, taikonauts land at the same spot with potentially, here's the real point, highly valuable assets? See, there's nothing on the moon worth anything. Okay, well, there is, actually. There's helium-3. Oh. Yes, this is an isotope of helium, which is a key ingredient in thermonuclear fusion. Correct. And it's what's created when in fusion in the sun. Yeah, well, yeah, our sun. Yeah, yeah, the sun does that it, every moment it, of its life. It 
pushes out helium, right? Well, helium is a byproduct of it, but you right. need helium-3 as an intermediate product before you get helium-4. And helium-4 is the final byproduct. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, and, and helium-3 are particles that come from the sun, get lodged in the in the, the, quote, soils of the moon. So you, you need a, some factory device, some plowing device to sift through So you could dust. actually, you could mine the basically, moon you're basically for, mining for, for, it. for helium-3. It wouldn't be mine, there'd be, you'll be bulldozing. Bulldozing. Yeah, yeah. With, what do they with, call with it? Uh, what do they Strip do? mining. Strip mining. Yeah. Well, they shave off the top yeah, of mountains. Shave off. Shave down the mountain. Oh. Shave down the mountain. First is a mountain, then like, there is no mountain. How did that moon end up completely smooth? <laughs> a cue ball. Right? <laughs> a cue ball. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Once again, we see the effects of humankind. <laughs> the moon, a cue ball. But go ahead. So, so anyway, uh, but his point being, yeah. if there's a highly valuable asset. So watch. So um, I don't have a good answer to this. But I can tell you that if humans go into space in a big way, it's not just the astronauts and engineers participating. It's the artists who want new vistas. It's the lawyers who have new frontiers of legal precedent. All right? If, if let's say you meet an intelligent alien and kill it, is that murder? Well, our laws don't talk about space aliens, okay? So if you, uh, what do you <laughs> It's not murder. <laughs> If it's an alien. If it's an alien. <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> I couldn't. Help it. Okay. But go ahead. <laughs> so, so there, there's an entire legal frontier. Right. And we've already made some inroads in that. I think something that was successful in the United States was homesteading. In homesteading, if you have enough money, time, and resources to go to some unquote developed spot and, and cultivate and, the land. Cultivate the land and turn it into some crop or whatever. Then you keep the you land. Can, you got to keep it. You got to keep it. Right. So let's not talk about the surface of the moon. Let's talk about an asteroid. I was about which to we say we know right. has natural resources. There's lots of it. And we too. got a zillion asteroids. Right. So I say I'm going. I'm going to launch a mission to an asteroid. And it's got these minerals. I go there. It's my asteroid. So who does that first? Wait, 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 wait. A government or a or, or a private person, a private company. Who, Gen who gets there first? Generally, governments do expensive things that have no return first. And then when you figure out how to make a buck on it, then private enterprise comes afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's why the first Europeans to the New World were not the Dutch East India Trading Company. It was Columbus. Right. Who was sent. But, sent by a country. By, by, a country. by Spain. Spain. Not even by Italy, which was busy doing other things. Right. Okay. Italy should have been his thing. But it wasn't. It was Spain. So that gets me angry. On a Columbus Day. Right. Okay. With the Columbus Day parades. Who comes out for the Columbus Day parades? A bunch of Italians. Italian. Right. Italian-Americans. It should be Spaniards. It should be the Spaniards. Right. I, I feel like climbing the, the, the flagpole say, go home. You didn't pay for this man's voyage. <laughs> Did you, you had nothing to do with his voyage. Sit your ass back down and let the Spaniards <laughs> cheer this man. And and how do we know that that mattered? Because Queen Isabella, King Ferdinand said, here's a satchel of Spanish flags. Right. Take them and put them wherever you find land. That's right. And that's why... Most of the New World speaks Spanish and not Italian. Well, there you have it. You know who speaks Italian in the world? Italian. Italians. <laughs> Italians. Torchina, I think. I don't know what Torchina is. Well, this part of the issue here, okay? okay uh, and Vatican City. Vatican City, uh, right. And maybe one other place in the world, Italian is one of the multiple official languages. That's wow. it. And we cannot list how many places speak Spanish. It's because Queen Isabella said we're going around the world right. and we're going to get people who do this right. and they're going to carry flags with them. 
So in space. This this is the exploration attitude that they had. Right. So once when you're in space, this By the way, it's not always good for who gets explored, right? No. If you explore a place where no one is there, right. fine, but when people are there to greet you and then you plant a flag say the queen now owns this. It's like, wait a minute, man. I'm already here. I'm already here. Right. Yeah, you need to discover nothing. How did you plant a flag in my bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> Let me I, try to kick your ass. Right. Oh, no, you can't because now they got bigger guns and bigger everything. That reminds me of, what? very quickly, I once found $20 in a couch cushion in, in, in my home as a kid. And I went and I held it up and I said, Dad, I found $20. He said, give me that. <laughs> You can't find in my house. <laughs> Very good. Exactly. That was not some treasure hunt. No, exactly. <laughs> of uncharted land. Right. No. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, okay. So, so, uh, so the question was, well, so homesteading is a model that has worked. Right. Uh, I think the, the best plan there is not to imagine China going to the same asteroid we go and plant the flag and then we fight about it. I think the best plan is to come to peace on Earth before this exercise begins. Oh, that's a good one. And then we see this exploration as something that is a sort of an Earth activity. Right. In the service of the future of the Earth, not for the betterment of one nation relative to others. Boy, that sounded very kumbaya. And that really did. I like oh, man. it. man. Yes. Man. I, I actually, I think I'm, I still had that in me. I'm, I'm all about oh, it, man. man. That, that's beautiful. That's okay. that was very Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, I like thank it. You. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Gene Roddenberry, uh, creator of Star Trek. Yes. I, I should have yeah, just, I, for yeah, the, just for the non geeks out the there. Yeah. Okay. So um, here we go. Matt Quick wants to know this. Matt we, Quick. Matt Quick. Good name. Okay. Matt Quick. Uh, you know what Quick means in the Bible. Uh, alive. Yeah, it just means alive. Yes. That's right. So the, the quick, quick and the dead. It's just the the alive and the dead. Right. right. Yeah. But uh. in the Old West, it was, you know, can you shoot fast? And if you can't, well, you if you were quick, you were alive. <laughs> and if you weren't, you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's... <laughs> it's the same it's, it's the same. <laughs> that's funny. All right, here we go. We know the first destination of humans off-planet was the moon, and we know the next is likely Mars. But after we've landed on Mars, where would you like to see humans set foot next? Okay. Interesting so question. Me, so, so there's an old quote from the space community. Okay. If God wanted us to have a space program, he would have given us a moon. <laughs> That's crazy. That That's good? a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's I good. like that yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. So there it is. There, there you have it. There you have it. So uh, I'm not into sequencing destinations. Right. I have a, a more unorthodox perspective. I want to have a suite of launch vehicles mm -hmm. that can take me anywhere I want, whatever my needs happen to be. Sweet. You, you want to go mine asteroids? That's a certain combination of rockets. Right. You want to look for life for your scientists? You want to look for life on Mars? Different combination. Mm -hmm. You want to have a tourist jaunt? On the moon, that's a different combination. You want to sail the back of a comet, that's a different combination. Mm. You want to visit, uh, no, you don't want to visit Venus. Um, it's 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Sweet. <laughs> you. I don't have to cook anything. <laughs> Great. Just put it out just, on the, the windowsill. pull a chicken out my pocket. Mm. <laughs> Lunch. But just consider that you get cooked at the same rate the chicken does. Oh, damn. That's part of the problem. That's ugly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so... Uh, so there aren't that many nearby destinations with a surface upon which to walk. 
Right. So Mars, the moon and Mars are kind of it nearby. And Mercury is too hot. Right. And, well, uh, how, about, might, how about a moon of another planet? Some of the moons of the other planet would be the, that's where I would go next. Right. If you need a little more life support, but definitely, definitely. Cool. Or maybe the goal is not to land and walk around on a surface. Maybe it's to hang out in space itself. One of the things we learned is we know how to build stuff in space. Right. The space we station. We have a space station. Is that sitting on the surface of anything? No. Well, we have the ISS. There was uh, Mir before that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mir, the Russian one. All right. Which, um, and so, so maybe we're not looking for surface. We're looking for habitats that are free-floating in space. Ooh, I like that Why idea. Not? That's kind of cool, actually. Why not? Yeah. Right. Who, ne who needs a planetary surface? And plus, we had the twin brother who just spent a year in space. We know it can be done. You know, what can be there? Oh, you spend that much time in space. Yeah, 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 yeah you yeah. know. What's my guy's name? Um, I forgot his name. What's his name? Scott? Yeah, yeah, Scott Kelly. Scott Kelly. The, the, the handsome of the two went into space. <laughs> That's what he told me. That is messed up. <laughs> They're twins, uh, right? <laughs> it's funny, I have a friend. I'm, I'm the bald, handsome one. Yeah. I'm the bald. I, have a friend, I have a friend, Brian Scott McFadden. He's a comedian. He does a joke and he says, um, I have a twin brother, but my parents said they love him more. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so great. Okay. All right, here we go. Got? Ooh, look at this. Hash Factory wants to know this. What's the name? Hash Factory from YouTube. Hash Factory. Like hash hashish? Like hashish. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. Now I'm thinking about hashish. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm wondering what now, was he on yeah, exactly. well, well, the question came out. What's the question? Um, Arrowgreen426 from YouTube says, what do you think changed our society when we landed on the moon? Psychologically, oh, what did it do to very us? Very good. That's a great question. My answer will come in a moment. <laughs> we take this final break of our three-part Star Talk Cosmic Queries on our future in space when we return. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Unlocking the secrets of your world and everything orbiting around it. This is Star Talk. Star Talk, we're back. Chuck Nice. That's right. Tweeting at Chuck Nice Comics. Thank you, sir. Yes. Very good. I follow you. Oh, I follow you too. I don't follow that many people. Oh. So well, keep I'm, it going. I am I am honored. Good. I am honored. <laughs> so we're talking about the 50th anniversary of Apollo. We're talking about the future of space exploration. And we figured this show would not be complete. Right. Without a one-on-one exclusive interview. With Alyssa Carson. Wow. You know Alyssa Carson. She is the future. She is. That's not just thinking about. She is the future. Yeah. 18-year-old. Right. Who everybody thinks is going to be the first next person to walk on Mars. Wow. And so, uh, do we get Alyssa online? Alyssa? How, hello? Yes, Thank you for Skyping in. You're in, in Germany right now? Yes, I'm currently in Berlin. Um, so, kind of been traveling during the summer. And, and where, where do you call home? Uh, home is Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge. Um, but soon Florida, kind of all over the place right now with transitioning to college and all. So, bit of a mess. <laughs> all right. Okay. You're just graduating high school. Ooh. So, so, wow. I, so I got on you here. So, so you're, you're starting college soon. What, do you, what will you be studying? Yeah. So, I am planning on studying astrobiology. Uh, and with that, it's super similar to astrophysics, uh, just a bit of a mix of all the different sciences. Um, and super excited to be doing that. And definitely excited, you know, just kind of get out of like that high school phase and actually have like space-related classes and lectures. So I'm really looking forward to that. Isn't is fun it, classes? Right? Isn't astrobiology harder than astrophysics? Well. I, let that she'll figure that out. Even if it's harder, does it matter to her? She wants to take. Let the woman take what she wants. <laughs> I'm just teasing Neil. I'm teasing Neil, Alyssa. That's all. <laughs> uh, so uh, you are. You're not thinking about the moon. We're about to have a 50th anniversary of the moon landing, and you ain't. You ain't even that. You're like the self-proclaimed Mars generation. Tell tell us what all oh, old fogies. What that is. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, definitely with the 50th happening and all right now, uh, it's super great to be looking at everything that we've accomplished so far uh, within the space program. And I definitely think, you know, depending on, you know, what our ideas are, you know, we may may, may go back to the moon. I think that's kind of the idea. Um, but I think going back to the moon will kind of start possibly rolling on to Mars. Um, but I think if we are going back to the moon, it should be kind of, 
in the very soon future, whereas Mars, uh, we still have, you know, several years in getting there. Um, but I definitely think that this generation, in terms of the Mars generation, this generation is the people who will be either working towards a mission to Mars, witnessing a mission on Mars, or being part of that mission on Mars, because uh, we will actually see first person set foot on Mars, and that's the goal that we're reaching for. So you, you were, I have in our notes here, you were one of the ambassadors for the Mars One plan. Uh, we had the founder of Mars One on Star Talk, and uh, what was your role in that whole uh, exercise? Yeah, so Mars One was based out of the Netherlands, and they also had their idea of wanting to go to, uh, go to Mars. Uh, they had the idea of colonizing Mars. Uh, so we had met with them, actually, in the Netherlands. And, uh, you know, I eventually became an ambassador because at the time um, when we had went over there, you know, I was super big, especially in just promoting the idea of going to Mars in general because, um, you know, it was kind of an idea, but a lot of the general public didn't really have that idea that we were planning on going to Mars, that there was an idea of going to Mars. And so I think that was a huge part of it in helping them uh, advocate for their mission, also helping advocate for going to Mars in general and starting to open up the idea of possibly colonizing Mars in the future. Well, you left out the part where you go to Mars and don't come back. You left that out of that explanation. <laughs> so, so... Would you have considered going to Mars on a one-way trip? Because that's part of what Mars One meant, wasn't it? Right, right, yeah. Definitely the idea of Mars One was, you know, a one-way trip because uh, they wanted so like that colonizing, you know, you go, you live there, you learn everything. Uh, and so, yeah, I was definitely all for, you know, talking about getting to Mars one way or another. And I thought that... Um, you know, so many benefits would come from a mission to Mars and that, uh, you know, if that was the route, that was the plan that would end up happening uh, and that was my only option, then uh, I guess I'd be stuck living on Mars. <laughs> why, 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 why are you so desperate to go to Mars as a young person? I'm interested. I mean, why do you hate us so much? <laughs> oh, wait, oh, wait, are you running away from Earth? Or it's, or it's just that Mars beckons cause, or both? Right. I mean, definitely when I was little, um, I was definitely just curious about Mars and about space. And, um, you know, I was just curious, you know, no one had been there before. I had this interest, what could be there. Uh, I think as I've gotten older, I've learned more about the importance of going to Mars and all the benefits that we can get in terms of, you know, building the technologies to actually get to Mars and those helping everyone else here on Earth or the idea of starting to learn more things on Mars, seeing if, uh, you know, developing the technologies to travel there, travel further, and continuing on that route. Mm. Uh, and so I definitely, the more I've learned about all that and the more uh, important I've realized it is, you know, there, there's there got to be that crew. So <laughs> I've always been interested in going to space, of course, um, just like so many people. And so Mars is kind of that next place that we are planning on going. So, um, you know, I'd be happy to be on it. So I, what I like the fact is in your sort of recitation there, you're including the fact that you there's like not only the astronauts, but there's the engineering that goes in. There's right. a lot of pieces that have to come together. And not many people think about it in that context, a more sort of uh, stem, holistically STEM uh, right. uh, construction there. But let me ask you, I'm old enough to remember all of the lore, most of it true, about the original set of astronauts being the right stuff. So in for the Mars generation... Are you the right stuff? And what does that even mean today? Yeah, 
you know, that was definitely super big. And I definitely think in terms of becoming an astronaut, a lot of things have changed since those first seven astronauts. You know, we went from just military guys to so many more people now uh, taking part in the space program. And I definitely think as we continue, we're going to have even more of a variety of people in the space program. And as term, in terms of, I guess, me having the right stuff and being selected, that's just really what I'm working on and trying to do, I don't necessarily think I'd be ready to do everything perfectly on a mission to Mars now, but definitely just doing uh, the best I can and almost building a resume to eventually apply uh, and really hope for the best to be able to uh, translate everything I've studied and learned here on Earth and translate that into a mission to Mars. So to, for me, <laughs> Go ahead. the right stuff is, did you barf in the centrifuge? <laughs> that, that's a good, yeah. <laughs> If you don't bar for this interview, that's the right stuff as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, what's your relationship to NASA? Does NASA know you exist and are you on their on their radar, literally and figuratively, to be the first to be plucked to put on that on that first mission to Mars? I mean, I definitely like I've met people who work at NASA, and I mean, going through space camp, I've also met uh, many people who work at NASA. A lot of the, I guess, more so-called like trainings that I've done. Uh, recently, starting since I was 15, uh, has been through a citizen science organization called Project Possum. And so Possum, they Possum. are, like, their main study uh, is clouds in the upper atmosphere. Uh, however, their ultimate goal as a program is to do a suborbital flight to collect a sample of this cloud. And so with them, I do suborbital spaceflight training, uh, such as um, water survival training, G-force training, decompression, all kinds of different things that actually are very similar to things that will eventually help and apply towards going to space. Yeah, every 18-year-old uh, so yeah. has G-force training. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a G, -G, -G, G unit training. So, <laughs> so, so, are, do you get frustrated? I mean, I do. I just want by how much attention, backwards attention, uh, space is getting. Oh, look at what we used to do! Isn't that great? The Saturn V and the Apollo. Uh, does that frustrate you, or are you saying, "Well, that's okay"? What I'm trying to ask is, how do you? Uh, what is your confidence that we will all? make this happen according to your dreams rather than just reminisce about the old days it's on the front porch in a rocking chair. Wow. Right. Yeah. I definitely think that, um, you know, definitely the 50th is a time to celebrate what we have done, but I definitely think things such as the SLS and the mission to Mars, I uh, definitely can use a bit more attention as far as, you know, if you walk up to someone on the street and you ask them about it, uh, they wouldn't really have too much of an idea as to what is going on or what the plan is, when, you know, what time frame it would be looking at. Uh, I do think it is interesting, you know, the amount of media and, um, you know, like movies, TV shows, all that that's now, you know, surfacing about Mars, something to do with Mars, commercials, whatever it might be. And that's kind of, I think, that build up towards that. Uh, you know, adjusting everyone like, oh, you know, Matt Damon went to Mars, so we can send astronauts <laughs> to Mars. Yeah. So, um, it must yeah. be possible. It must be possible. To, right. to grow poop potatoes on Mars. Absolutely. <laughs> Thinking about opening a restaurant. <laughs> Special recipe potatoes. There you go. <laughs> so we, we only have uh, two minutes left. Is there something you want to, you know, we have some reach in this show, uh, but not that you need it because, like, you're all over the Internet uh, with your ambitions, but is there some message you want us to carry forward that uh, we can uh, try to make 
your dream and the dream of so many, myself included, more real. Yeah, you know, something that I think is super important is getting kids to realize that they can start working towards their dream or their goal or their passion uh, at an earlier age. You know, you don't have to wait until you get to college to start researching what you want to do. You know, if there's something that you're interested in, something that you're passionate about, you can definitely start researching it, going to, you know, a science museum or going to whatever it is, start asking, maybe find someone in your area that has a career, ask them what they did and kind of get a little bit of that jump start because, uh, you know, if you know you're interested and if it changes after that, then that's fine too. And you can continue working and pursuing your dream and never give up and really never let anyone take your dream away from you. Well, I can tell you this, that whether or not the next mission is to Mars, Whatever next mission where we're sending humans to a destination, I want Alyssa on that mission. Absolutely. <laughs> Alyssa definitely should be, yes. Yes. So, uh, so anyhow, listen, we've got to call it quits there. But thank you for being on Star Talk. And uh, we'll uh, hope to like reach for you again if we do another space show just to find out what's the latest right. in the Mars generation. Because we, uh, we're the Apollo generation. Exactly. Here. The next time we talk to you, you'll probably be on Mars. That would be great. <laughs> you know, because I, I think you're going to get there much sooner than you think. <laughs> I really do. You seem like such a, a, a driven young woman, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Like, uh, it gives us all hope it does. in the next generation. Absolutely. It's not like, oh, the next generation is going to ruin everything. No, right. the next generation is going to fix everything right. and take, us to, take civilization to the next You've stage. restored my faith in people your age. I may actually start liking my children again. <laughs> so, all right, Alyssa, thanks for checking in. We'll find you again. Okay. Thanks. Take care. So, Chuck, that last question, I think, did we get that answered in this interview? We did not. What, what was it? Uh, and it was, what do you think changed for our society when we landed on the moon from Arrow Green 426? And one of the things probably would be someone like Alyssa. And I'll tell you what happened when we landed on the moon. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs witnessed it in their early to mid-teens. And they transformed the world in which we now live. Right. So the, the power of space exploration isn't just Teflon right. or Velcro or whatever. Or the, the stereotype. Or the other great Tang. <laughs> tang. Yeah. Whatever. That's the, the big trinity. Yeah. <laughs> space Teflon, Velcro, and Tang. I think not all of them are space-derived, but that's, that's the... That's the the trope, right? right? So uh, I think its impact on a civilization goes beyond just what is the economic return, right? It's how do you feel? How do you think? And the fact that when we went to the moon to explore the moon and we discovered Earth for the first time, right? the modern conservation movement Ooh. began while we were on the moon. Very, very Yes. The Environmental so Protection true. Agency, right. founded in 1970. That's right. By Republicans, by, by the by way. Republicans, signed into law. by well, the, the Congress was Democrat, but Republican, Republican president. president. Right. And you just look at this list. The, uh, you know, uh, leaded gas was banned. Lead was banned in paint. Right. Um, a Comprehensive Clean Air Act. A Comprehensive Clean Water Act. That's right. There were earlier versions, but they weren't fully uh, incorporating everything in the needs of the day. Right. There was a... Um, uh, DDT was banned. All of that occurred between 1969 and 1973. Right. And are we going to say, oh, we just figured out that's what we should do? No, we were still at war, in a cold war with Russia, in a hot war in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. And just all of a sudden, we're going to say, let's clean up the earth. I claim, I assert that we did that because we saw earth floating adrift in space, spaceship earth. Right. And said, oh my gosh, 
No one is going to come save us. We have to save ourselves. And thus began a modern understanding of our relationship to nature. That's the kind of stuff space gives you. And now we're like, yo, we got to move to Mars because we don't really mess this place up. So. Well, my last point on that, and then we got to call it. My last point there is, if we're all going to sh- ship a billion people to Mars. Right. So, so that's plan, you know, plan B, right? In case, in case something bad happens on Earth. Right. Some humans will survive. The species continues. Right. The I remnant. The, it's, it's a nice idea. It makes a good headline. And uh, Elon Musk was a fan of that, as was... Stephen Hawking, but I think it's 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 not how it's going to go down. Because to do that, you want to terraform Mars, right? Oh, by the way, I have a coffee mug from SpaceX headquarters. Mm-hmm. Nice, okay, and it's Mars, but you put hot liquid in it, it becomes a terraformed Mars. It's really cool. Really, it's green and blue. It's really cool. <laughs> You know, it's one of those... Well, th- col- thanks for making me jealous. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have one of these? No. Oh, okay. It's, it's a terraforming coffee mug. That's cool. Uh, anyhow, I got it on, on property at SpaceX. So if you have another planet and you terraform it from the current state of Mars to some Earth-like planet, and you do that to save us from Earth because we're destroying the environment, I'm just simply saying, whatever it takes to terraform Mars and ship a billion people there, it's got to be more effort than fixing Earth's problems. Right. If you could terraform Mars into Earth, you could terraform Earth back into Earth. Right. Can you not? That's so true. Thank you. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm just a realist here. No, that's true. Uh, we we got to call it quits. Yeah. Right there. Chuck, any final word? Um, Mars. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck at his most articulate. There, there you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been and will continue to be Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. This has been Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition, the 50th anniversary of Apollo. Yay. I remember. I was there. I'm not there, but I was I was, was going to say. <laughs> when did that moon. happen? <laughs> <laughs> One small step for man. Hey, is that Neil deGrasse Tyson over there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was on Earth at the time. Uh, anyhow, we got we to call it quits there. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.